Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Pulse of the Season podcast. This is Stephen Michael. Now, episode one was about myself. Um, my parents listened to the podcast and said I talked about myself a little bit too much. So, episode two will be actually getting to business. And I mentioned in episode one that each season will have a theme. So, what is the theme of season one? Well, the theme is 11 people who I'm connected to or who are in my cursed circle who I look up to and inspires me every day. And we will be starting with one of my close friends from North Carolina A&T University. Kiera Nelson. Let's talk about Miss Nelson. Kiera Nelson is truly a boss within herself. From moving from a small town in the Midwest to go to Howard University her freshman year, then transfer after her sophomore year, she's pretty much conquered two major universities, Howard and North Carolina A&T. And she has truly had a very, very amazing journey during her time of undergrad. She is the founder of Natural Falls Branding, and she strives to ensure that everyone who she works with feel empowered through the brand materials that she makes. And more importantly, she's really one of my close, close friends. She's basically my sister. So basically, she's going to come on my podcast, and she's going to talk about her journey and also talk about what's next for the Natural Boss. All right. Hey, Kira. Hey. How are I'm you? I'm great. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. We are stuck. We are creative stuck in a quarantine, which is a good and bad yeah. thing. But hey, it's we're breathing. It's a positive, terrible thing. So um, our senior year has been evaporated pretty much. So how are you doing with that? Um, Honestly, at first, I was like really like disappointed. I was upset. I was around here pouting like every day because I was like, I'm not going to get to walk across the stage. Um, but then once things started, you know, settling down just a little bit, I kind of started to appreciate it versus resent it. Um, so I was like, hey, you know, this is this gives us more time to prepare to move. This gives us less time to be, I mean, more time to not be stressed about like graduation plans because, you know, with a graduation comes a whole nother event planning itinerary yeah, money yeah, stuff that I didn't money. right stuff that I didn't have quite yet and I didn't know how I was gonna get it so I kind of appreciate it now I'm still a little disappointed but you know if God said it was gonna be that way then it's gonna be that way and it's kind of ironic for both of us we're gonna talk about how busy you are as a person we're very like very like busy bees were always running. So it's kind of ironic that we started undergrad running around with our heads cut off. Mm-hmm. And now we're just in the undergrad sitting in the house. <laughs> just kind of like a very cinematic way to end the career. Right. It was like, he was like, nah, y'all, y'all doing too much. Go ahead and just sit down for a few months for me. We got we got governors. Y'all just gonna sit here and sit in the house. I know my state governor, Governor Hogan. He was like, "Oh yeah, oh y'all going?" I remember when they first did the quarantine. He was like, "Oh y'all in the clubs? Yeah, happy hour? Y'all at the bars? We shutting everything down." Yeah. It's kind of like that black parent when you make it too much noise. Oh y'all, oh, oh. y'all making noise? <laughs> you making noise? No, and it's the same here, pretty much. Um, I don't think ours is as harsh as harsh as y'all's, but I mean everything here is shut down, so like there's no reason to be out. Only thing open are like grocery stores. Uh, restaurants, you know, still doing takeout. Um, but other than that, it's pretty quiet around here. I actually haven't left the house in like a week and a half. So, yeah, wow. I'm about to go crazy. Oh, well, I've been out a couple times. I've been outside for essential, you know, they're, they're essential and non-essential uh-huh. duties. Okay, whatever. Great. So, we um we are finished um, undergrad. 
So I think we could start the episode by talking about how did we first, you know, run into each other? How did we become friends? <laughs> this is so funny because I was just um I was just applying for the circle, like the show on Netflix, and it was asking about social media and why you like social media. And I was like, I like social media because most of my relationships with my friends have been established before I even met them through social media. Um, so yeah. our first encounter was ooh we like Ju- June of twenty sixteen, yep. May. Yep. Uh, June, somewhere around that time when we graduated high school and everybody wants to be a journalist. They we were like, what a great way to start through Fresh U. Um HBCU of course because we don't rep nothing else. Um so we definitely we were both like really good writers on there, making some great content. Uh, I think I remember first talking to you after I announced where I was actually going, and that was kind of where our conversation started. And you were like, "Oh, that's cool." And then we just kind of it just kind of went from yeah. there. I was in your DMs giving you all the freaking because I think everybody knows when I'm from PG County I know DC very well as well so I think I was in your DMs just giving you paragraphs what not to do take the metro don't take mm-hmm. the metro don't buy your girl she's in DC so yeah we wrote for Fresh You and ironically a lot of the core members Jasmine Maya um Sean I've met all of y'all in person so it's kind of crazy that we all have kind of like you know we started virtually but we all ended up finding each other for the mm-hmm. last four years so pretty dope so let's go back. Tell me, because you're actually from the Midwest. Yes, I am. So tell me about your childhood and tell me about your, let's say, stereotypically, your humble beginnings. Oh, okay. So, uh, yeah, definitely humble beginnings. So I always joke and tell, well, it's not a joke, but that's what I say. Um, I live in the middle of a cornfield because I do. Um, I live in, my mom's going to hear this and she's going to think I'm talking down on my house, but I'm not. I live in a double wide trailer in the middle of a cornfield and our population like when you drive into the town our we're actually not even called a town we're called a village and so when you drive into this village the population sign says 997 so uh there aren't a lot of people there and my high school graduating class was 27 people I think the most people I ever had in the class was like whoo like 15 maybe 20 people in a class and of course a lot of those people were not black it was probably like four or five of us and then a few of it trickled down before we graduated and I think we ended up graduating with probably I think it was five of us exactly so when I was preparing to go to college I was like um well initially I was just gonna go to school you know down the street where my mom went um, I would have got in-state tuition, wouldn't really have to pay nothing, could have stayed home, you know, save money or whatever. But then I was running for a beta club office, which was like a national thing. So I had to go to all these different states. And um, once I started like seeing these people at these conventions and they were talking about where they were going and I'm like, oh, what's that? And they're like, oh, it's the HBCU. And I'm like, what's that? <laughs> so then I went and looked it up and thankfully I was also a part of this program that like took you to different colleges in the area and they gave you tours and stuff so I actually requested that we did an HBCU trip 
and uh, I was paired with the group, and they took us down to Fisk and uh, TSU in Nashville. And I was like, oh, yeah. Like, I we, we barely had stepped foot on Fisk campus. And I was like, I'm going here. <laughs> this is right. This is it. Give me my application <laughs> today. I'm ready to sign. Um, so then I started doing more research. Uh, got accepted to Fisk at TSU, and I just knew that was where I was going to go. And then I started touring some more HBCUs because I had to go to North Carolina. And at this time, I was uh, friends with CJ. I got to know CJ, my boyfriend, of course. And um, he was telling me about North Carolina a and And I was like, huh, that sounds like a really cool school. And he was, like, talking it up. He's like, they're the best school for black engineers. And I'm like, oh, snap. Okay. Well, if they're the best for black engineers, they must be the best for black somebody else, too. So I started looking up the communication program, applied there. I was like, if I get in, you know, that's dope. I'm going to go there. And then I was like, at the time, I was thinking that Howard University was like Harvard. Like, I thought it was so prestigious and thought that you could get in. I thought you could get in. I mean, I thought, like, nobody could get in. So I was like, I'm going to apply there, too, for the heck of it. Not even realizing that, like, I got a 28 on my ACT. Like, I was, like, the number two person in my class. So on paper, I was a great candidate. But in my mind, I was like, I ain't getting in here. So I'll never forget the day I got accepted. It was my sister's birthday. It was like one o'clock in the morning. I was laying on the couch and my phone buzzed that I had gotten to Howard. And I was like, what? Now let's take a pause. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about Howard. So I did the Howard Upper Bound Program. It was a government-funded college uh-huh. prep program. I was on the campus of Howard University since my sophomore year. I literally shook the hand of the president. I was one of their top mm-hmm. scholars. And I got rejected by Howard. So everybody want to know, why do you have a bike with Howard? Because I literally lived 25 minutes away from Howard with a 3.8 GPA. That's crazy. And that's crazy because it's a lot of people who were like the same, they had the same qualifications as me and got rejected. And I was like, all right, so how did y'all go about accepting students? Off the record, they they want people to come in who has to stay on our campus. So basically that's their logic. We're not going to shade Howard a lot today, <laughs> but we know why Howard accepts a bunch of national students. Anyways, back yes. to the Howard story. Yes. Uh, so yeah, got accepted. Thought that was so cool. A few days went by and then I got a scholarship to Howard, which on paper sounded great. Like it was like, yeah. That's how, get you. That's that's how, how every school, every school received this amount of scholarship, this level. Because Howard was like, oh, yeah. this is a $27,000 scholarship that you'll get every day. I mean, every year. So to my parents, they didn't really know much about the tuition cost yet. They was like, oh, you going to Howard no matter what. And I'm like doing the math on paper. And I'm like, y'all are still going to be taking out the same amount of loans that y'all would take out if I go anywhere else. So why does it matter? Like they literally just lowering the cost to what it would be to go to an out-of-state college. So, you know. I battled with my parents because I got accepted to A&T, too. And I was like, I want to go to A&T. They're like, no, you're going to Howard. So, you know, they they swear up and down to this day that they didn't force me to go to Howard. But I'll never forget, I told my dad I wanted to go to A&T. And he said, well, I think you need to rethink that. <laughs> so I said, well, I guess I'm going to Howard. And so, yeah, that's how it started out. Left the Midwest, and I ain't looked back since. So let's talk about the Midwest. So... What state and city are you from? And also, if you have to tell somebody where you're from, which major city 
would you send your name? All right, so the town is called Ullin, Illinois. It's spelled U-L-L-I-N. It's at the very southern tip of Illinois. Um, Like, Oof. literally exit 18. So when you're driving into the state from the bottom, you're going 18 miles into the state, and that's where I live. And so when I tell people where I live, I can't really tell them any city because I'm not really, I'm not relatively close. I'm literally the closest city to me is St. Louis. Um, but of course, when I say I'm in Illinois, everybody says Chicago. And I say, no, right. It's literally <laughs> if you go the other way. And so when I say no, I'm like, no, it's a, it's farther south. They say this town called Peoria. And Peoria is only a few hours outside of Chicago. And I'm like, no, that's not even the South. That's still Northern Illinois. I'm like the very, very Southern tip. So uh, now that I've come to realize when I, when people ask me where I'm from, I just ask them if they know where, um, where either Southern Illinois University is or Southeast Missouri University. And then I tell them from there, I live about 45 minutes from there at the Southern tip. So I think since I've been at a and I've met probably like four people who know where I'm from. Everybody else just assumes I'm from Chicago. Out of your thousands of Twitter followers and even your close mm-hmm. friends, no one No one knows. knows. And I don't really, I mean, I don't really publicize it. Not even like I'm embarrassed of my little town because I love, I love Ellen. It's just like, it's, there's no point in putting the energy of telling people where I'm from because they, they just be like, oh, Chicago. Like, people, they still be like, oh, you from the Windy City? You should be used to this cold. And I'm like, it's not cold like this in Owen. Like, it's just cold in Chicago. It's not. So you've been shipped to D.C. We're going to talk about that. Greensboro, you've flown. Just pretty much like mm-hmm. me. You've been everywhere. So, you know, when you come back home, how does it feel? Do you feel like you're, like, the hometown hero? Um, Do you feel like, hey... I'm happy where I'm from, but I'm ready to go. How do you feel when you actually go home? Like when I go later? home, I'm very thankful. But I'm all, like, when I first came, I mean, when I first came home for like a break, I can't remember what break it was, but I, I think it was Labor Day. I went home, um, and I felt, I felt like you know everybody should have been like throwing flowers and roses at me because I was like you, like you said, the hometown hero. But then I was quickly humbled because I realized, I mean, don't nobody really care. I mean, they care, but, you know, they don't care that much. So now it's just more of a, like, a, I'm very thankful from where I'm from because it humbled me. Um, it pretty much, like, being where I'm from didn't allow me to become, like, this person that I probably could have became had I had, like, rich parents. Or, because I like to think, if I had rich parents, I would probably not be the person I am today. I wouldn't have, like, the hard passion for things that I do I wouldn't hustle as hard as I do because I know what it feels like to have pretty much nothing I ain't gonna say like you know we didn't have power but you know you came from very humble beginnings where you don't really you don't get everything you ask for you know you'd be like hey can I have like a so-and-so and And they're like ah we gotta put those funds somewhere else so no (laughs) Um, so I think being from an area like that really put fire under me because I I knew I didn't want to go back so I was like I gotta I gotta go hard because I can't go home so uh very thankful very humble and I'm also like I be trying to get into these people's heads like these students heads who are from where I'm from because a lot of people like I'm from like I said I'm from exit 18 but if you go down to like exit one there are other towns that are like not 
I mean, my town isn't the best, but there are other towns that aren't like as good as my town. Like they're like not good with resources and stuff like that. So a lot of the kids feel discouraged because they feel like they don't have anything. And so I'll be trying to tell them like, you can go like go to college. Like I know it might you might not want to go to college, but go to college for the opportunities. Translation. Go, go to, to college. college. Get you a little Get you listen. Get thrown out and listen. don't come back. So you have to deal with the fees but there's one girl um she goes to well she went to the school my mom is a guidance counselor and it's like a pretty much all black school and i was so happy for her because she ended up going to hbcu and then she ended up um she ended up getting some opportunity oh no she didn't go to hbcu but she went to college outside of like the town, a few hours outside of town. She ended up getting some opportunity to go to California. And like, I was so, I was just so excited for her because she had never been to California. And I'm like, that's the type of things you can do when you leave town because where we're at, where we're located, we don't have much. Like our nearest airport is like three hours away. So. So that's why you drive home so much. Because there's no point. Because by the time you fly there, you still got to drive three more hours to get home. But yeah. So you know you're from humble beginnings. You're from the Midwest. So you're from the Midwest, and DC is not the biggest city, but you're coming from the Midwest, and you're pretty much drone. It's Georgia Avenue, U Street. You're basically a couple blocks away from the core part of DC. So even before we talk about your Ohio experience, how was it when you first got there? How was it like getting used to like a city? Um, area? It actually wasn't bad because. I have traveled enough, like I have traveled, I traveled enough before I got to DC to the point where I didn't feel like overwhelmed. Uh, I had went for a school field trip and we stayed for like a week and a half and we literally walked like all of DC. That's where I learned to ride the Metro. So when I got here, when I got to DC, I, um, I was pretty chill actually. Like um, my mom and dad were like, I I could I know my mom was like scared for me because she was like you got these trains you got these buses you don't know where you are gonna go and then me meanwhile I'm looking at the map like oh we just take the yellow line here get off here we can walk up U Street we go that way um but I was a little overwhelmed and it was funny because I when we got to DC we tried to we stayed like near the White House when like we when they dropped me off from moving because we didn't know like the relation to Howard or whatever. So then my mom was like, oh, it's only, it says it's only like a, um, a two mile walk. We sh- no, not a two mile. It was like a one and a half mile walk. And like in my town, that's nothing, right? But we start walking and I'm like, ma, where, where are you taking us? So we were walking for a really long time. And then I quickly realized that like uh, 15 minutes walking in DC is totally different from it's, like <laughs> it's totally different from 15 miles walking. I mean, 15 minute walking in Illinois, and so I I definitely had to quickly learn the relation of like traffic and stuff because people would say like, oh yeah, it's just a 10 minute drive, and like to me that's like going to my high school. That's nothing. But then when you 10 minutes and you got traffic, and you got You'd be like, where, yeah. what, why, why did we even get in the car? Why didn't we just take the metro? This is a lot. Um, but other than that, like I said, I wasn't overwhelmed. I was actually pretty calm. And when I think back on it, I was really crazy because I was really just calm about being in this big, well, quote unquote, big city, being in the capital. I was more amazed about the fact that I was near the uh, Washington Monument than anything. That was like my big thing. 
So, you know, you, you're in D.C., you know. So getting used, so let's talk about Howard. You know, Howard, although we have our biases, Howard is pretty much still our originator of a lot of, like, a lot of Greek organizations. A lot of our leaders like, has came from Howard. So no matter how many HCCs are better, Howard is still mm-hmm. Howard. So how was it like being at such a historical place and also when probably one of the still one of the top agencies? It was it was really great. Um I think that like I said before, I think that me starting from those humble beginnings where I started really catered to how I was at Howard because I was shown like I'm thinking, you know, my parents don't make that much every year. I'm thinking everybody's parents like I had never met black wealthy people until I got to Howard (laughs) so like you know I don't really have the rights to be bougie I don't own no type of name brand nothing my parents can't pay for me to go to school none of that so I get to school and I like see these people with their parents their mom and dad Howard grads they pull up in these nice vehicles (laughs) now added context maybe outside of Atlanta and maybe some parts of Texas, D.C., P.G. County, even Baltimore City, this is probably the richest area for Black people. So you're, for me, I was raised around Mercedes-Benz, nope. Teslas, <laughs> Gucci belts, fine linens, people showing up in prom and red bottoms. Meanwhile, for you, you're pretty much thrown into an area where wealth is, you're, you, people are used to wealth and people are very bougie, yep. very uppity. And you're yes. completely opposite. And I was, that probably shocked, I think that's what shocked me the most because my parents came, we had a rental truck, they dropped me off. I had like three um, like big things worth of stuff. I moved in, like nothing in my room really matched because I had just throw stuff together. Um, but then I was seeing like other people's rooms and like they had like this really like beautiful, like girly set, like everything was super cohesive. Like, I was like, how come I couldn't get this? And my mama was like, do you remember looking that up? Do you remember how much that cost? We wasn't getting it. And I'm like, oh. <laughs> no, let's go. Let's, let's pause. I remember freshman year, everybody used Bro. to flex their rooms. Oh, it used to be like HGTV oh dorms, MTV cribs. Oh, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna match. And we're going to talk now that I look about it. We wasted so, so much, much money, money on decorating our I remember I did dorm it up. I love dorm rep. It's a great starter. I remember I got so much stuff. I remember a lot of stuff I brought back to me. I remember my dad used to grow up. He used to like, get on me. Mm-hmm. Don't buy too much. I remember I moved out with freshman year. He, was, he yelled. He's like, why do you have so much stuff? I yep. only had so much clothes, so much unused mm-hmm. decorations. I feel like that's kind of like everybody's freaking mistake. I feel like if you're not a freshman, if you overpack, yeah. you're a freshman. If you don't overpack, right. you're used like, to this. Like my so, freshman year, after freshman year, I threw everything away. And then um, sophomore year, I moved in my dorm, and I literally went to Target and got, like, five things. I was like, this will do. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was it was, it was, was different. I, I'll never forget, uh, like I said, that first Labor Day was, like, that big holiday where we didn't have class or anything. So it was, like, an extended weekend. And there were people in my class talking about, they was like, oh, y'all want to go to, um, what did they say? They said somewhere. They was just like, do y'all want to go to so-and-so for the weekend? And I was like, huh? I was like, how are we going to get there? And they was like, we're going to fly. They was like, buy your plane ticket. And I was like, I don't have money. Like, I don't, I'm not prepared for this. Like, people, people uh, just. typical DMV, just, catch a spirit. All right, just take a flight somewhere. I'm like, I ain't got money for that. So I was like, I'm going to just go home. Because <laughs> everybody just taking spontaneous trips. And I'm like, well, 
my daddy can't give me no money to go there. I mean, granted, he probably would have if I would ask, but that was just nothing I wanted to. I don't know. It was just different. It was just super different. So, how was it, you know, the social culture of how? Because I feel like at an HBCU, where are you? I feel like being at an HBCU, there's your pros and your cons, there's your attention and all. There's also your good people around. So, how was it, you know, for two years dealing with, you know, the uh, for, two, uh, for me, it was pretty straight. I was never the type to really, I didn't really go to Howard with a motive, if you get what I'm saying. So yeah. I, I was literally chill. Like my college days were cool. I was hanging out with my friends that I had made. All of us were really just chilling. Like we would go to class, we would meet at the cafe, eat, you know, have a good time, go do homework, all of that. Uh, but then like once the end of fall came, it got a little different because things were happening things were being put into place where I didn't really realize what like some of my friends and my peers were doing and I'm like I'm like where y'all at like why y'all don't want to go to the calf no more why y'all don't want to eat with me like initially I thought it was me I was like did I do something what is why does nobody want to go hang out with me anymore I couldn't find out like people you know pursuing things and I'm like oh that's okay I got it I got it so once I kind of learned that culture, I was able to adjust. Um, so, you know, I would make I would make those friends like every few months who I knew I could hang out with uh, for a long term. So then eventually I was just like I was literally I was just hanging out. I was just I had my crew. I had like four or five people that I hung around. I didn't really I tried to be friends with like the main scene people. And I, that just didn't work for me I was like I that's I, I'm not y'all's type and y'all are my type and I'm not gonna fake it because I tried to fake it for like a week and I was like this is not who I am I'm gonna just go back to my crew yeah outside of people pursuing stuff because I'm really tired of even hearing and talking about that because I <laughs> anyways um I feel like a downside of HBCU culture, people are, you know, very uppity. People are really, you know, just acting out of character. So how was it like, you know, dealing, just seeing a lot of people just, you know, just talk about the tension and like the competitiveness, especially how you have to be dressed Mm -hmm. good every day. Like, you know, how was it dealing with the tension and really just social implications of being at at such a premier HBCU? It was definitely different because you were, you know, um, like pursuing things aside, you were still expected to act a certain way, um, dress a certain way, be a certain way at functions, and just in general. Like if you went to like fried chicken, uh, not fried chicken Friday, uh, first Fridays, you were always expected to like dress up to the T, you know, be cute. That was where everybody hung out that day, and it was just when you're not used to that type of stuff. I pretty much was like a shadow probably the whole time outside of me being like a resource because I had a YouTube channel and that's all. Yeah. Outside of being being who I was at the time, I was pretty much like a shadow. Like if I wasn't there to record somebody's DJ an event or somebody's modeling troupe or whatever, I wasn't really involved. So I mean, I guess I missed most of, like, the beef. Like, I knew of beef. I knew people were, like, bumping heads because, you know, your crew don't mix with that crew, blah, blah, blah. So-and-so said about no, so-and-so. Uh, but I mostly stayed out of that because, for one, I was like, we are grown. We borderline grown. 
too old to be acting like this. And for two, I knew that, like, I couldn't get in no type of mess because if I get in any type of trouble, I'm way too far from home for it to be dealt with. Yeah, um, that, that is a really professional answer by Ms. Karen Nelson. Um, I feel like going to HBCU, I really love HBCU culture, but I feel like a downside is very, very competitive. People are doing things. And a it's lot just of competition. people have it's great. motives, which I have learned very quickly. Like I said, you know, I have my YouTube channel. So a lot of people would, like, try and befriend me so that they could be in, like, a vlog. It was weird. It was, that whole time was, like, really weird because – like, people would see me vlogging on campus, and they would run up to me like they knew who I, like, like we were friends. Like, this is some people who would turn their heads at me any other day. Like, right. Nelson? Right. Yeah, I know her. So I you have know her that? number. You know like, her? run up oh, to me, yeah, be like, yeah. can I be in your vlog? And I'm like, girl, I don't... Like, I don't even know you like that. Like, don't do that. And that was, like, really weird for me. That was something I had to learn how to uh, maneuver because that it was just weird. Like, I don't like being put in those type of awkward situations. And I have so many clips where, like, people will run up to me and be, like, asking me, you know, can, is, are you vlogging right now? Can I be in your vlog? Can I shout out my Twitter? And I'm like, for what? No. <sighs> yeah, it's just I, that's very understandable. Even I'm not saying I'm not like I'm like you, but even for me, I've had people run. Oh yes, yeah, the season. Oh, you just so great. Do you watch my content? Mm-hmm. Do you read my stories? Do you see my basketball games? You, it's kind of like, do you like? Are you? I've realized that HBC, this college period, there's people who are really here for you. Then there's people who are really just here mm-hmm. to be connected to get the benefits. And I've learned, yep. especially for the last twelve months, you know, you really if people just here and people, for the benefits, people like the name drop. So Ugh, that's like whole other. Yeah. Oh yeah. Before we talk about your um, transfer from Howard and you cutting off Howard, talk about the YouTube. Let's talk about some of the creative skills you picked Ooh, up while okay. in DC. Um, so my YouTube channel, which I treat as like a bald-headed stepchild now, because I don't really cater to it at all. <laughs> um, but she grew. She grew over six thousand six thousand subscribers. Because um, I made I made a lot of videos catered to Howard's uh, potential Howard students because. When I was about to go to Howard and I was trying to look up videos for dorms and stuff, I really couldn't find anything. I couldn't really find any useful resources. Yeah. Quick pause to all HBCU vloggers and please make mm-hmm. content about your schools. We are not in Ohio State. We cannot search mm-hmm. up our dorms on Google. So if you're a content creator at HBCU, Steven and Kiera proves this message. Please. please, for the love of God, Make content about your school so where future people can come up. Yeah, you know what they'll be doing. Yep. So, That's a key <laughs> so before I even got to Howard, I kind of made it a mission to because I also it was the fact that I was so far away from the campus, like I couldn't just drive to Howard one weekend and be like, Oh, I just want to see what the dorms are like because I'm 13 hours from Howard. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna make it a mission to make these videos, make these types of videos for people who can't come to Howard before they actually come to Howard. So that was pretty much my little, I think that's why God put me there in the first place because I made videos for two years straight, just about, you know, I made <laughs> I made dorm videos. I made, uh, I even teamed up with like different creatives and had them, I had the guys showing off their videos. I think that was the most I talked to guys at Howard was to make that video. Like, I, I was like, can you record this for me? Like, I gave people assignments, everything. That was, like, my first step of being, like, a manager. Um, but then 
And then I just kind of made vlogging videos. Um, I was also transitioning my natural hair, my hair to natural from um, being perm. So I was also making those types of videos. And little did I know I was like establishing my brand of which is now very strong and very recognizable just from trying to, you know, help people out. And what is your brand, Miss Nelson? Personal or okay. We love it. Yes. With the revamp and all. So you was doing I remember you doing vlogging, video editing, photography. Freshie was still writing. I think you left first and I left like I left and came back. So you was doing a little bit of that. So how did graphics kind of um, pop graphics up? Graphics popped your up life? because I was told that this was something else that was weird. When I got to Howard and somebody asked me my major, I told them my major. And then they asked me my minor. I was like, I don't have one. And they're like, well, you need one. I was like, why do I need a minor? I'm here enough for a major. And I was like, you just need one. You should go get one. So I was like, okay, bet. So I went and um, I found out that I was eligible to get a minor in either graphic design or what they call electronic studio. So I had consulted with the art department and he actually told me that I needed to be e-studio. So I declared my minor, um, I think my, the second semester of my freshman year or the first semester of my sophomore, I can't remember. But I had decided to do e-studio. So my, primarily my first semester, my first semester, Second fall semester, so like my sophomore year, it was just taking like graphic design classes, learning the basics. And then while I'm sitting in class, like we're doing these step by step tutorials, and I'm like almost done with my project. I'm like, okay, this is boring. I'm bored. And when I'm bored, I don't do anything. So I'm like, all right, we got to figure something else out. So I dealt with those classes, but I was also on YouTube, literally learning. Like, I would find great graphic designers, and then I would find the method that they were using, and I would go YouTube how to do it. So then I would just practice and practice until I learned how, and I was like, okay, I got to put these skills to use somewhere. So then I started just revamping resumes and making business cards for the career fairs and for, you know, just people to get, like, you know, because we're all about getting secure in the bag. And that ended up paying off really well, and that's pretty much the birth of Natural Boss Branding. I don't even do resumes anymore, but that's how I started. <laughs> um, um, so pretty much in two years, really, maybe outside of a few people, I think one person who was really have done more than me, because my first two years, mm-hmm. two internships, SGA, journalism, I think that it's kind of funny. I even say now, if there's one person my age who's always visiting <laughs> me, it's Kira Nelson. So you did literally vlogging, writing. Yep, video graphics, editing. You know, a lot of even social media, some of your internships. So let's talk about not the elephant in the room, but you know, you're clearly naggy right now. You're clearly yes. wearing blue and gold. You're clearly, your degree were clearly B, North Carolina, yeah, AT yeah. State University. So you don't have to go into all the details, but talk about, you know, what went into the decision to transfer to North Carolina A&T and what kind of triggered you to make that jump? Because I remember when you dropped it, cause one thing about you, we're, we're, we're both like the same. If you want to see like a giant announcement, unless if we like spoil it and just text it to each other, we just go to social media and you see a giant a little graphic, <laughs> Not a little graphic. or a nice little tweet. <laughs> so I actually pulled up the tweet. I pulled up the tweet yesterday. I searched up, because I, I was doing my research. Did you transfer after a freshman or sophomore year? Sophomore year. So I saw the tweet. It was you 
behind, you know, everybody had that, even me, that famous picture behind that in front uh-huh. of that nice clock tower. He was wearing it with a spring outfit. He's like, okay, cool. Great two years of Howard. I'm gone. Aggie, hashtag Aggie land. I'm like, what in the world is going on? She just dropped her transfer announcement and it's, and it's just out of the blue. So for real, what triggered you and what really made so, you leave um, I knew that um, I wanted to, I knew that I didn't really, okay, I'm not going to say I didn't really want to be at Howard, but I knew that I didn't fit in like I could have at Howard. And I realized that after my freshman year, pretty much, um, I had been through some things the beginning of my freshman year that pretty much put like this whole mentally traumatic, like boulder on my shoulders. And I was just, that's how I was living my life. Like I was just, I was really just tired and depressed. Not, I hadn't, well, yeah, I was pretty depressed. I was, like, super anxious just being at Howard. And I was, like, uh, I sat down and evaluated with myself. I was, like, is this really what I want to do for the next two years? Well, pretty much, yeah, for the next two years. Like, do I really want to do this? Because this is just really stressful. Like, a lot of my friends were leaving. A lot of my friends were graduating. And I was, like, I've just, I've stayed sane because of my friends at the moment. So once they leave, like, how is this going to be for me? Because I'm not, I'm not built like this. So I decided to leave. I think it really put, I think it really put probably tied the knot. When we started having those financial aid problems, um, that was probably my final yeah. straw, which is hilarious because all HBCUs have financial aid problems. But Howard's was just a little too much for me. And I felt like I was not paying as as much money as I was paying to go to school at Howard, I should have gotten more out of it as far as like academically, you know, uh, we had like two buildings shut down, two of the main buildings. Oh, are we talking about Howard again? Can saying, we talk about Douglas Hall? It still isn't up. Yeah. And it's, it's like, the best and they just decorated it like during homecoming, they just decorated it. And it's like, are you going to fix it? Like that's the, that's the primary building where students go to class. And just having those type of situations. And then I'll never forget my dorm. The AC in my dorm had broke. And I had, like, a really bad migraine. And, like, they would not come fix it. And it was, like, a a 90-degree day. And I'm like, well, it wasn't 90. It was probably, like, 80, high 70. It was. But I'm like, like, I'm I'm having (laughs) these migraines. I got to go to the doctor. Like, and it was just, like, it just felt like all in like one month or so it just felt like I was not cared about at the school and I was like you know what I don't deserve this <laughs> meanwhile I'm looking at my friends at A&T who are like securing these bags having all these great times looking at my boyfriend Living. succeeding I'm like you know what I'm gonna go there because I was supposed to go there in the first place so I talked to my parents well actually I had already filled out the application way before I talked to my parents <laughs> Because we can do that. Because we're grown and so, we can do that. <laughs> I got my acceptance letter. And <laughs> I told my dad, I was like, hey, uh, I'm probably thinking, I'm thinking about transferring next semester. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, thinking about transferring next semester. And so at first he didn't take it well. Because he was like, you know, you building this brand at Howard. You know, to to them, right. I'm exactly. Howard. To them, yeah, it's still, you know, you're at Howard. You're at the Black Harvard. But to me, it's like, no, I got to get out of here. Or I'm going to lose my sanity. So so we had like it's a really good talk. 
I told, I mean, he told me, he was like, I mean, it's your decision. I just, I didn't think you would make that type of decision. And I was like, yeah, me either. But, you know, things happen. So I left. Um, I remember I came down, I think, ooh, I came down like one day in May before school actually had got out. I came down on the train and I came to CJ's and I was like looking at his apartment and I was like, well, I don't want to stay on campus because I'm going to be a junior. So I toured the apartment complex that he stayed in. I had like applied to stay, like I had like applied for my lease and everything. And then I went back to DC. I had pretty much thrown everything away in my dorm. I packed my bag. I got back on the train and I came back down, uh, secured an internship within like a week in Greensboro that paid. So I was like, this time, I'm going to just stay here for the summer. And um, I did that. And then I started school. I, so I was here for like three months before I actually started school because I was doing my internship. I, I'm, I'm really crazy. I was really crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, you was like, man, forget this. I'm going to get this little reference to my boyfriend. So before we talk about CJ, so, you know, um, you pretty much realized that college is an investment. And, you know, with, between the college and investment piece and, you know, um, the social implications of going to a major HBCU. So pretty much during your transfer process, during your first two years, what did you learn about yourself? Because you pretty much was like, yeah, forget it, what you have to think. I'm going to leave a very good HBCU and go to a better HBCU. So what do you learn about yourself? And if you will go Ooh, back, would you do anything differently? Myself. One thing I learned about myself is that if I want it, I'm going to get it. Um, I don't think there's been anything that I haven't like manifested where it was like, I want to do this and I didn't do it yet. So, um, I know two things that really pretty much shaped me at Howard was that I had a very caring professor who cared about, you know, he cared about me more outside of class. So he would make sure any opportunities that came about, he sent my way. He was like, Hey, you know, got this, um, on the way prepare yourself for this and I think he really helped me become like that I was already driven but he helped me become even more driven like he's the reason I was able to go to Wild and Out Studios and you know partake in all of that just because he had opportunities and he made sure that I was you know one of the ones but it didn't just come from just me being there it was because he saw my hard work and all of that um and then another thing that helped I mean, another thing that I learned about myself is that I did learn freshman year that I was a pushover, <laughs> which I fixed over the summer. So I came back not a pushover. And then another thing that I learned is that I money, I'm, money is attracted to me always. And that sounds like really cocky, but I don't mean it that way. I mean it like I'm always, there's always an opportunity lined up for me where when I feel like I'm down and out, on a bag there's always one on the way so like I've I don't think I've ever been in a situation where I was like oh you know I don't really have anything going for me like I'm broke like I've always made a way I've always found a way to make some money I've always found some type of hustle I've always found some type of partnership and just that and then if I had to go back and do anything differently I would probably I would probably just see more of DC. But definitely see more of DC. <laughs> because I felt like I was just kind of, you know, when you get to Howard, you got that bubble. 
and I definitely stayed in that bubble. Yeah, you get lazy, just want to stay on campus. Mm-hmm. Yep, got that. So we have talked about your childhood. We talk about yes. randomly finding out about Howard, <laughs> going to Howard. I feel like you. I feel like you know, as a friend, I feel like you really. I was proud of you because you know I've seen a lot of people go to Howard and break mm-hmm. down. I've seen a lot of people not finish. So you pretty much you know came out, and it's it's a sad fact. It's just really. Not even how I feel like yeah, HBCUs between you know us still kind of being beyond the eight ball, some aspects you kind of see just you know, retention is not always promised to everybody. I've seen people start and not finish, mm-hmm. I think we've seen people transfer, so it's kind of like you know, it's just it just shows that you know, just because mm-hmm. you start somewhere doesn't mean you're going to finish there. So you move from DC, you leave me in Maryland. And you go to right now, maybe outside of one or two HBCUs, pretty much the hottest HBCU when it comes to athletics, the brand, hashtag Aggies do, Aggie Pride, Celebration Bowl Championships. Yeah. You go to Aggieland. So, you know, talk about your first, really just your first experiences at um, in North Carolina AT and just the vibes. So my first experiences, um, they were really cool. Like when I got here, I was woke up because, you know, originally I was, I was like, everybody was thinking I was going to go to a before I even announced I was going to Howard. So I had already kind of made those friends. So um, I came in May and hung out with CJ and stayed with CJ um, just to, you know, while, because my semester, I had taken all my final exams. So I was done with Howard. So I came down. I had basically moved by then. Um, I was just here in Greensboro with two suitcases and, I was with CJ and I would, he was like still in classes. So I was like walking on campus, you know, seeing people I knew, saying hey to people. And everybody was just super well, like everybody was just super welcoming. I'll never forget Delaney. Um, we were in what they, what was considered like the, the student center at the time. And Delaney, which was the SGA president last year, she saw me and she came up to me and she like hugged me so tight. She was like, I, I just love you. I love your work. She was like, I want you to be a part of my, a part of the team, talking about SGA. And I was like, whoa, I just got here. I was like, this is crazy. I was like, people, I was like, people want to do this? This is crazy. Um, But just, and they're just getting to know people in a moment. Like, um, I was walking around with CJ. So, of course, he was introducing me to his guy friends. Like, yeah, this is my girlfriend. And they're like, first of all, they're like, where, you have it, it's May, and you're just now telling us you got a girl, you showing us your girlfriend, he's like, oh no, she transferred, so, uh, just meeting people and establishing those relationships off the top, Greensboro has always been very welcoming to me, and that's one thing I'm thankful of, um, but yeah. (laughs) So, you, you, you pretty much, you know, go to ANC, I think, you know, I think that's just the power Mm -hmm. of, you know, an HEC circle. Like I, you have so many different types of friends. Like I know Jordan Lisbon, the old, um, well now old Messina. Yeah, like, I know some people I ain't seen. I know some people out of her school. So I think, oh, she's from Maryland. Yes, I know Jordan. I know Savannah. Of course, I follow CJ. We're gonna talk about CJ. I know a few people at ANT. ANT. I feel like if I would have to transfer to an HBC, if I have to go to another, it was ANT. I, I actually know. I mean, I kind of figured. I guess y'all Marylanders do know each other. That's weird. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so you pretty much was welcome into a family. So I think, you know, you pretty much did well. Well, you're still doing well at You did well at Howard. So let's talk about being, a, it's literally in my nose, being a young hustler and also being an after ball. So let's talk about the birth mm. 
of natural balls. Birth. It all began when I was broke and I needed some money. Well, okay, that's not how it started, but it kind of did. So people would see how, okay, so it really started when I got my, when I had announced that I had got my first internship. And um, so, you know, that, that myth that they told us before we got to college that a lot of college freshmen don't get internships. So when I heard that, that's what, who said no, no, they said, said they said a lot of people a lot of in the world offered um, internships for their experience. Okay, okay, just a second. Just and second. so when I first when I heard that, I was like, I'm gonna get me an internship. And um, at the time, I was like in love Seriously. with Blavity. Um, I was in love with the idea of it, so I was like, I want that internship. They had a video production internship, and it was in LA. I was like, I want that internship. I'm gonna go for it. So, um, me having my YouTube experience, I knew how to edit. Um, I had researched Adobe Premiere Pro at the time because that's what they said you needed to, like, be a good candidate. So, I learned that in, like, two weeks. I applied. I sent, you know, made my cover letter look good, all of that. And then I pretty much had my interview and I got my, um, my offer letter, like, two weeks after I applied. And so, this was in, like, October. So, I'm a freshman. It's October you know, it's about to be homecoming. I'm like, y'all, I got an internship. This is dope. And so from there, I think I was probably one of the first intern. I mean, one of the first freshmen who had announced that they had an internship. So of course, everybody's coming with me to question with questions. You know, how'd you make yourself stand out as a freshman? Blah blah blah. And I just like I showed them my resume, which I had like graphic design. I was like, it was like really cute. And it got to the point and all that. And so people started paying me to make their business cards and their resumes and their cover letters. So I would make, I would do a cover letter template. So like I would design the cover letter and pretty much put like certain words in there that you needed to have in the cover letter. And then I would design their resume and it would look like their cover letter, like design wise. And then I would give, I remember that bundle was like $30. And then the business card, uh, I would add on there for like 15. And so I did that. I ran that special till like January. And I had made, like, $500. I was like, are you serious? I can do this? I was like, this is cool. And so I was like, people paid me to, like, just make them look good. This is great. I can do this. So I started, you know, investing more into my craft to learn more about, you know, graphic design. Um, And from there, it was just kind of that consistent growth. Um, After a while, I got tired of making resumes especially because I had undercharged myself so I was like (laughs) I was just like this is a lot and I'm not um it's not really reflected in my pockets so then I started designing logos and that was that actually was like the last thing I ever wanted to do was design a logo at the time because it just seemed like a lot and then once I started like getting really creative with it I was like I like this I can do this I can do this as a business and so people started coming to me. It started off kind of slow. I think I had probably five clients in three months. And I was like, oh, this is cool, but I need to amp it up a little. So I was like, maybe I need to actually make a business out of this. So I started, um, I don't think, did I file for an LLC at that time? I don't think I had yet. Um, but I started my business and people were coming and it just hasn't stopped. And it's, like, grown to a point, like, I haven't even been able to really track the growth because I've just been growing, and I really haven't had the chance to, like, look back to see the growth. But just when I take those moments to just look back, I'm like, wow, 
That's crazy. Now, people ask me all the time, um, who do you look up to when it comes to your business? Y'all, when I tell you, Chikir should could literally charge me as a client because every single time I have a business question about an LLC or a revent or something, I ask Kiera because Kiera's we're here. I feel like what's so dope about us, we're literally <laughs> the same type of business, but we're not we're not competitors. I feel like people are very competitive. Like you do logos, I do logos, you do graphics, I do graphics, you kind of do mm-hmm. like branding, I kind of do branding, war on you know the stuck campus. So y'all. Gear Nels is kind of like, if I would have like a prototype to my business, some of the things yeah. that Gear does, I do. <laughs> it's kind of like you've really said, and it's kind of dope to hear that, you know, your business has grown so much. You have so many clients that you don't even have to track. <laughs> I try, I'm a fan. I'm a natural ball stand. Um, I'm waiting, still waiting on my logo, um, my, um, my stickers and my shirts. So yeah, your business has really grown. So Let's talk about the women's side of it. How does it feel like to work, be working with women? And how does it feel to really empower That's women? That's my favorite through, part like, of literally owning my business. The fact that um, I get to help so many women, especially Black women. Like, it's really a great feeling when somebody comes to you and they say, hey, I want, I want to have a business that looks like this. And you can help them actually bring that to life. Like, people come with me with um, with sketches all the time. They're like, I want to bring this to life. And just being able to do that, that's, like, one of the most. I've never felt something so greater than that feeling, like, that, that satisfying feeling when your client texts you and they're like, I love it. I'm crying. I love it so much. Like, I'd be. Oh, it's the, great, it's the greatest feeling ever. When you really think you thought right. you terrible, when you really thought you and wasn't then, in your bag, and, and you're like, all the way deep. I love it so much. Greatest feeling ever. And just seeing the impact that the work has, especially when you do the when you do the good work, and you're not just kind of you know, because some people, never mind, I'm not gonna be shady. But <laughs> when you do like when you put your time in, right when you put your time into their brain quality, and you really I like I, I always tell my clients I'm treating their brand like mine. Like I wouldn't give you anything that I wouldn't post myself. And so just being able to give them that treatment and only, you know, with everybody being wanting to be business people nowadays, a lot of people don't have that customer service aspect. They don't have that gentle touch. And so a lot of clients are coming to me like from bad experiences. They're like, yeah, I hired somebody a while back and they just kind of threw something together. They didn't really, you know, they charged me way too much or I paid $10 for a logo and they barely did anything so a lot of my clients are already coming from bad experiences so being able to you know show them like you know there's some good in this world and I'm gonna help you bring the best out in your brand that's like my favorite feeling ever like I I could I could do this forever and just be satisfied perfect transition so quick two minutes we're gonna have a little creative rant what are your pet peeves? Because I'm gonna give some of my pet peeves. You'll give some of your pet peeves. What are some of your pet peeves you deal with with working with your clients or um, just other creators around you? My main pet peeve is that this isn't even this isn't this doesn't fall under any category you just said. But my main pet peeve is seeing people who put more emphasis on how quick they can get something done versus like like if somebody if yeah versus quality like quality. I don't like people being like oh I finished this in five minutes like I finished this logo in five minutes like that bothers me not even like oh you know that's not a good logo but it's just like when I'm doing my logo process 
I will, I will do, I do four different concepts and I'll give it a day and then I'll come back to it. And by the time I come back to it, I already hate two of those concepts. So I have to come up with two more. So when you don't, when you don't give it the time, you don't give it time to be critiqued. You don't give it time to, you know, kind of sit there and sit in your brain for a minute and figure out what you like and what you don't like about it. I don't like quickness because nobody's ever satisfied with the first thing you give them. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like, you might be satisfied at first, but. I think after a while, if you work with the same client, yeah. you can be quicker. Yeah, no, so when like, you work with like, the same especially client. Especially if somebody's new. Yeah, when you're working like, with the same client. Probably, yeah, I'm like, me and um, Acrylics, me and my best client, we, she'll send me something, I'll get it done in five minutes and, like, be cool with it because I know her style because I've helped her build that style because it's basically my style. But when you have, like, if somebody inquires about a logo today, and I design that logo for them in five minutes. That's not that's not cool with me. I don't like that at all. And then, uh, and then my go what ahead. My oh, I think my go ahead. Uh, what is my pet peeve? Ah, uh, I I grown up always respected people who were good in their profession. I have a mindset of if somebody's good at something, like don't really disrespect them in court. I just my pet peeve is really mm-hmm. when people start to crush in the creative. Especially a lot of situations out there with, oh, you have full creative control. I don't know how to do this. Um, I, I worked with somebody before. I think you're a better. I just like, if if you hired me, if, if I'm working with yeah. you, can I just, I, I think you follow me on my close friends. And I always put on my close friends. Every yeah. time I have an issue, let the creative be the creative. If I am, if I'm like the graphic designer, if I know how design to design is, I just want to you just don't, well, you can question like some of the stuff I do, but you can't really sit here and something goes really wrong. Oh, you don't know what you're doing. I'm like, don't question a creative. Like I'm a creative. Right. You're, and you're hiring me. You're paying me. Right. So just let me be great in my lavender as I just go yeah, through. No. <laughs> and it's be great. And I think also one of your pet peeves, not trying to call you out. I always see like people yes. not paying you on time. I have dealt with that. I think I've dealt with that with a couple that's I don't get that. Like you, if you hired me, and also, oh, your prices are too much. I think because of you, maybe two other people, I upped my prices a lot. Because I remember I used to be charging like forty-five or fifty for logos. I went to your website. I'm like, yo, because, over here making. And, and you know what? How much? Because, and I think Could I don't you? think people understand how it correlates because you know, like I said earlier, I don't put, I don't, I don't make a five-minute logo for a new client. And I think people who make those. Like, I'm not even, like, not even, like, being shady. But I think those people who make those $5 logos, I mean, five-minute logos, you know, they, like, oh, you know, $10, $10 logos because I can make this logo in five minutes. But it literally takes me almost 72 hours to feel complete with a few concepts that I've designed. So when you take that and then you, let's say, look. I'm trying to give you quality. And you're, oh, I know somebody on right. Canva. Well, right. I know I know a guy. Exactly. I don't care. I'm not that guy. Like, I'm better that than that guy. Format, like, just, you're not you're gonna me. need me and not that guy because he don't know how to make vector formats. Um, but just when you like, even if okay, say I did charge ten dollars, but it takes me forty eight hours to make a logo. You take that. That's four hundred eighty dollars right there. So I feel like if people put more time into the logos that they created, then they would understand why they need to charge more versus you know just throwing something together because they know the person will like it but it's it's more to it than that and i ooh. yeah between like you know 
creative cloud, fonts, colors, mental health. Like sometimes I tell myself now, if I'm not in a good state of mm-hmm. making a good flyer, if I'm not feeling it, stop, get off your computer before you get mad and get back to mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, people don't understand between like the hours, the software, your computer being hot. Even, you know, when you're making like bunch, I've made batches of flyers. I've made batches of like mm-hmm. primary logo, secondary logo, fonts, colors. <laughs> it's just so much to a brand because you're branding. Like so much to a brand, like branding that people think. People think it's all, oh, my oh get a nice logo, have some sparkle, That's have another some glitter. Like, no, I hate glitter. Have, I hate glitter your, so much. Your logo. I'm such a modern. I'm gonna give you like, sand serif monster to death. Bro. I'm a poppin' skinny bone. That's, that's my go-to. I used to be Montserrat, but then I, I got tired of it. But I hate, I hate glitter so much. I think all my I literally like that's my that's my pet peeve. <laughs> glitter. If it's got glitter on it, you need to change it. And people get on me because people think, oh, you have like such a corporate design like fine I have a corporate designer style I work with churches I work for a freaking politician I think I feel like I've also no dude I think you understand it. you just have to respect other people's you know you know um creative process I know people who they're good at working with women I'm gonna work with women but I'm not the best for girly type of designs I'm not the best for even oh, yeah. more rap I don't do rap covers you just gotta I feel like you I think I've learned you have to really learn your role I'm more on a corporate church professional business side you're more on the women in branding and even corporate as well so i think you know i think we both learned especially you if you're just to bring your brand and talk about your brand plug yourself because i already prayed you twice i'm plugging you at the end of the episode in the beginning of the episode um what main services oh, do you so actually offer right branding. Branding. i offer a brand i call them brand development services so i pretty much help you build your brand from scratch um you know, we do a call where you tell me about your brand. You tell me, you know, what you want to represent your brand, what you want people to think when they think of your brand. And from that, I'll like create ideas and logo ideas and marketing ideas for you. So like, I don't just design a logo like that. I don't have that as a service. Like you can't just come to me and say, I need a logo. That's not, I don't, I'll send you to somebody else who I know that does just do logos, but I like to help people put together brands. So I do, my basic package comes with um, a logo suite, which is a primary logo, a secondary logo, and like a submark. Um, and then you get, of course, the brand board, which shows your colors and your fonts, so you can use those items on your own. You also get 250 business cards, and then you get one marketing collateral item of your choice, which usually they end up choosing the email signature just because a lot of them are service providers. And they want to look professional all around. And I most definitely stole oh, your IG. You're bio supposed to. Because I think Lena from ANT, um, one of my favorite photographers. I most def, def copy Kira style. Even, even that's another thing with um, social, even social media brand. I thought that's very key because people are very, I need a logo. I just need to know, like, in a social media look. I remember I was at L'Oreal last summer. Mind you, I'm with, like, PWI interns, white interns. They're like, oh my God, your social media is so professional. <laughs> like, well, if you have friends like Karen Nelson, Sean Bourne, and I'm, like, I think going to HBC, we really learn how to mm-hmm. style ourselves and promote ourselves. And even, you know, with me being great, that's why even for me, when I see, I think you do it too, when I see graphics, when I see stuff, I can just oh, analyze yeah. what happened when you made that graphic. I think being a creative, I just, I'm super analytical. So people always tell me, Oh, that's a good graphic. I don't like it. Steel. I don't like it. It's just not good quality to me. It's just, it's just, I feel like the looking at the world, 
through the lens of a creative, especially with me in sports. So I'm like a type of guy of a team releases a new uniform or somebody has a shirt. I can automatically tell what happened if I like, mm-hmm. it's just, I think seeing a word as a creative, especially like both of us being multi-talented is, it's kind it's of like, funny. No, it's funny shady. shady. People like, are no, I just analyze. Anytime campaign season comes around, people start showing me flyers and they're like, what do you think about this? I'm like, I'm like, oh. you know, I know y'all think it's cute, but I don't like it. <laughs> like, I don't like the composition of it. I'm not trying to say to my school, but I election, unless you're running a smaller class election or unless you're a beast on campus, please hire a graphic designer who works <laughs> in Illustrator or Photoshop for the sake of my eyes. I'm going to have my full Morgan State HSU <laughs> rant in season three of my podcast. So, quick sidebar before we finish. So, the last topic, I'm going to talk about your takeaways from undergrad. You know, what's next for um, what's next for um, you in the future, what we've learned as friends. Oh, CJ. Let's talk about CJ. Um, CJ is an engineer, y'all. I'm, I'm a computer science major. I'm technically an engineer. So, he's a, like engineer, engineer. So, talk about CJ, how you met him, and really... Just what what was the benefit of having such a strong relationship uh, okay. so, and now that back into when I was in high school, like I said earlier, I ran for a state office, which was um in this organization called Beta Club. It was a community service organization. And I ran for a state office. Excuse me. I ran for a state office in Illinois. So I ran for state secretary and I won. So being a state secretary, right, period. Being a state secretary, you had to run yeah. at a national level. Well, you didn't have to run it at a national level but it was very encouraged that you ran on a national level um so we get to our national conference which is in nashville tennessee um and you know there are all these other officers there from all these other states i met my friend tiger uh he was from north carolina my friend well of course you know when you're in a room full of white people and you see black people you naturally attract to the black people so we walk in this like state candidates meeting and I'm like, it's like five black people. I'm like, well, I'm going over there. So I walk and we sit all beside pretty much the black people. And so uh, there's Tiger, there's Ebony, and then there's CJ. But prior to the meeting, CJ had came up to me and shook my hand. He was like, he introduced himself. So at the time he was like, we were both like really young. So in my eyes, he was short because I had heels on. So he shook my hand and I'm thinking he's going to have like this like high pitched voice because he's smaller. He has the deepest voice in the world. He's like, hey. <laughs> He's like, That's hey. when it started, dog. I'm CJ Love. I'm like, That's when it started. I'm Keita. <laughs> so that was cool. And then um, from that national convention, you know, neither of us won. But the the whole group of people who had ran kind of became a family. So we all stayed connected. I think me and CJ probably texted every day. And then that was in June. June. That was in June. And in July, we had to go to a uh, leadership conference, all the state offices. So we ended up going to um, Gaffney, South Carolina. And I was able to see all those people again. So me and CJ hung out. You know, at this point, it's not even like, oh, I like you. It's just like hanging out because, yeah, it's just natural. Um, so then natural. like we all formed this really close relationship with each other. Like, you know, you were with people for like a week. And so after a week of being together with the same group of people, like you just, you know, you start feeling those connections, not even like in a romantic way, but like a, like these are some good lifelong friends. So um, we leave, everybody's emotional because we've like established these relationships with people. We're like, we're never going to see these guys again. And then um, 
we leave. I remember CJ walking me to my um, gate at the airport in Charlotte because that's where we flew into. And I was just really emotional because I was like, I, I get attached to people way too fast. So I was like really emotional because I had to leave everybody. So we left and then we were talking some more. And we just like, we texted literally every day, not even like on no crazy stuff, just like, you know, how's school going? Things like that. He's telling me about auntie. And this is going into our senior year of high school. So like we, over our senior year, we pretty much established a relationship with each other. You know, we, do you like me type stuff. Um, and then I was like, ah, oh. right. Right. You know how we do. No. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's the one right there. I can't get caught up. While you on the phone, Um, (laughs) kicking stuff. But no. But then um, once we kind of figured out that there was some type of connection between us, I was like, I don't really like. You know, we young. I don't know if I really want to do a long distance relationship because you live in Virginia. I live in Illinois. This is a lot. But then, like, I took I took a step back. I was like, I really like him. So, you know, we we talked some more. And then we became boyfriend and girlfriend. And everybody, I think when I told people I was dating somebody from Virginia, they thought it was a joke because of, like, how? Like, you live in Illinois. Um, but he made, we both worked at Chick-fil-A at the time, which was hilarious. So we both had checks. So um, our state, we would have state conventions for that organization. So CJ made an effort to go to every um, every state uh, convention, and he came to mind. I didn't get to go to his, but he came to mind. He saw me speak and everything, and you know we just really grew from there. He was just really supportive from day one, and um, like you said, the just having him in my four years of being in college has definitely kept me sane because I don't think I could do it without him. I'm trying to jinx it, but he's the husband, y'all. So when of y'all course. see that wedding invite, I, I better be invited. Um, I better be at least fifth, sixth row in the eight. Sent me in the HBCU section. We went to HBCUs. We know gear section. So that's kind of amazing to see, you know, because I think really outside of you, maybe a couple other people, I haven't seen anybody make it mm-hmm. through, especially at HBCU. It just gets very messy out here. Finish like undergrad with a full blown relationship. It's kind of. And sidebar about the wedding, um, Kiera, she threatened me last summer, y'all. Whoever I marry, whoever I marry, Kiera must do my graphics for my wedding. So future wife, if you're listening to this podcast, Kiera Nelson mm-hmm. are, is making an invites, the mm-hmm. logo, the branding, the mm-hmm. filter for Instagram, the filter for my photos, yep. and the PDF booklet, yep. template of the photos. Yep. I will be sending out to my family after. So I just want to establish our future wife with... <laughs> God, please send my wife. Let's get all here. Anyways, whoever my wife is, Kiara Nelson will be doing our stuff. Please do it. it. If you have an issue, well, it's no issues. No, she's just gonna and um whoever wants to pay Kiara, because I'm not gonna let the girl go unpaid. Um yeah. So finishing off, because we've been rapping for an hour now. So um you pretty much I think we you were pretty much conquered. I feel like you've yes. grabbed undergrad undergrad by yes. the throat, choked it, elbow dropped it. Drop kicked it, jumped on it, and really, so you pretty much had a very successful reign in undergrad. So just looking back, what are your takeaways? And most important, we want to know, Ms. Uh, Nelson, so what is next? I have a few that I can think of right now. Um, like I always say, like, 
if I want it, I'm going to go get it. So I feel like you have to work. Uh, that's really cliche to say. You have to work towards what you want. But you have to. And in the world, like, with the way the world is set up now, like, if you want something, you can't even play small about it. Like, you have to go get it. Like, I I know a lot of people who don't announce something that they want because, you know, they think people are, like, preying on their downfall and stuff. But I'm somebody, I feel like I've created a big enough circle where I put stuff into the world because I know people are, you know, thinking positive things for me. They're going to encourage me. They're going to keep me accountable. Um. So I always say, like, if you want to go after it, put it into the world. Also, establish that group of people who you know are going to have your back no matter what. But at the same time, they're going to call you out on your stuff. Because you can have somebody's back and be, like, their – excuse me. What's that called when you – when people just, like, kind of let you do whatever? Enabler. When you're enabling them. Like, you don't need enablers in your life because – then you're you going to be on some negative path because people are scared to tell you that you're wrong, but you need people in your life who are going to tell you, hey, you know, that wasn't cool. Right. I love you, but you, you, you really I love you, up but you messed you up. Try it. again. Um, yeah. So always have, find those people in your circle and don't be afraid to, you know, take criticism because a lot of times people aren't critiquing you, they're critiquing your actions and or your work or whatever. You can't take those criticisms personally because I, that was me like my freshman and sophomore year anytime somebody would say something I was like oh my god they hate me they don't like me but then I realized like junior period like oh you know they just they literally they have thoughts about what I did this that's okay they're not they're not criticizing me they're criticizing my actions my work whatever um so yeah take criticism um I don't really have no other takeaways I feel like I should but I don't I'm sorry uh, <laughs> yeah, because I most definitely preached two sermons on your podcast. Fun fact: Um, Kiera, although I already was on the first episode, Kiera was also she's probably staring at me through this phone right now. Um, Kiera was supposed to be the first yeah. guest on my podcast. I was the first guest for her podcast. So y'all wonder why? Why am I starting starting Kiera? Yes, she's giving me two threats as a friend in five years. Yeah, number one, do my wedding yeah. stuff. And number two, be on the podcast. So I appreciate Kiera. I'm really very, very, I think I'm one of your biggest fans. I at least have to be top 10. Like everything you do, oh my God, I'm so proud of you. Like you have Teed and the Greed, you got Natural Boss, you got the YouTube channel. So I feel like mm-hmm. it's kind of amazing to see. Definitely. Just us two just make it this far. You know, I think literally through every, I know for me, through every little part of life, although you text me back every seven to 10 business days, fun fact, Kiera is like, she does that to me and I'm just and it's so crazy obviously oh yeah she hit back, she hit me back in like you know two weeks but it's kind of crazy and through, through every like low point especially the low points because you've had some low points I've definitely had some low points we've always been there for mm-hmm. each other so it just kind of shows the power of HBCU circle and mm-hmm. it shows that you know you don't have to be in somebody's face 24-7 to be a good friend so enough of my gym so what is next for the natural boss I think you've pretty much completed your degree I'm still so in the trenches is, a little bit so I am what is taking next? my talents to natural boss branding and I'm going to pursue it full-time um pretty much starting in June I'm moving to Dallas with CJ as he takes his job um with DPR Woo! construction as an engineer so I'm gonna try I'm gonna start doing it full-time pretty much I mean I'm doing it now 
Um, and I'm going to give it till August and I'm going to see what type of progress I've made. And if I'm satisfied with that, I'm going to continue it. Um, if I'm not satisfied with it, I'm going to take a step back and evaluate, you know, where I can improve. And I'll probably try and find like some type of job that I'm satisfied with that fits my creative, what, um, you know, realm, but, uh, pretty much doing it full time as of now, things change which they might, it'll be okay, but, you know, full-time, as of right now. I'm excited. And if y'all go to her website, yeah, um, and check her prices, I think the girl will be fine. She's great at what she does. I think, I, I think you'll be, um, I'll be serious. I'm like, uh, I need to step my game up. So, yeah, so here's Key Nelson, y'all. Key Nelson, here, Kiki, your favorite natural boss, top natural boss in my life. So, she is from Illinois, went to Howard, went to A&T, pretty much found her husband five years ago. We're going to speak that. We'll speak that to existence because we don't want nobody else at this point. CJ and Kier fan club. And now she's finished her degree. She's running a full business. So that's the pulse of her season. So, Miss Nelson, me. how can I'm we find you on social Kier media? Nelson on all socials, Instagram and Twitter, of course. Um, and then my business is at Natural Boss Branding on Instagram. And what else? That's it. You can, I mean, you can go to my YouTube channel too. Just search Kieran Nelson. I'll pop up. And I have a few epi- a few podcast episodes. Um, if you search the Natural Boss Podcast, you will find those as well. And ironically, in the first episode, I spoke into existence to that um the oh, post of the high. season podcast. And you ten months high. later, sorry, Kieran took so long. Ten months later, here we are. So she drops, go to for that episode, talk about, you know, hear from what I talked about. And also, because I think mm-hmm. on this episode, she dropped some gems that people might not know as well. So, wow, I think this is the longest <laughs> one besides the one time we had in D.C. This is the longest conversation we've yes. ever had in five years. I think we need to do better. Anyways, I appreciate you. I love you very dearly. I am a fan. And this is, you know, some people who's in my circle. So this is season one of the Boston Season Podcast. We have made it to another amazing episode. I want to thank Miss Nelson, one of my close friends, for coming on and just telling her story and also just dropping some gems on us. So to keep up with Miss Nelson, go to naturalballsbranding.com and also go to naturalballsbranding on Twitter and Instagram. And of course, to keep up with myself, go to stevenseason.com, season underscore media, which is my professional Twitter and my business Instagram and also go to steven.michael underscore which is my personal Instagram page this is the Pulse of the Season podcast and thank you for listening